0: You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and the SoundCloud today. Manning
0: loves it. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hey,
1: Grump. Nice to talk to you during the week. You know, the person I'd like to talk about retirement the most would be about my own retirement from work, but if not, I'm glad we are talking about the retirement of Eli Manning and not a story about him going to play for some meaningless team or backing up somewhere just to extend a career you know I think this is when I saw the news that he was retiring today I really it brought a smile to my face that this is the proper closure for his career and I think we should spend this this episode just celebrating what he was as a giant and what he meant to us
0: yeah you know given the events of this year this offseason the Pat Shermer hire um I I really felt that there was a one percent chance that he would be playing somewhere else, and and the reason why is because he really, you know, if if his contract had sort of coincided with Ben McAdoo's firing and and the way that year was handled, and him being benched for Geno Smith, I I could see him playing somewhere else, but given that once pat schirmer got here he got his full endorsement from from ownership in the front office to you know carry the team until they found the right guy in the draft they didn't take somebody in the draft that first year the second year they drafted daniel jones he came in you know f- sooner than i think a lot of people expected and and you know he had his his send off at, at metlife he got a standing ovation um i i think that kind of helps solidify that feeling that, you know, going elsewhere, moving his family to, I don't know, name a place, Tennessee, you know what I mean? It just, it it felt right to just end at this time.
1: Yeah. I mean, having that last game where he got to play because Jones was hurt and he went off on a relative high was, that's the perfect coda to the career. I, you, know, it, you know, everybody knew in the last couple of years that, you know, if, if he wasn't the quarterback he was, that his time here was going to end soon. You know, just the amount of money he made, the age that he was, you know, the way the league is changing from a different type of quarterback than what he is, we knew the end was coming. And, you know, the end might have come a year later because of drafting of Saquon Barkley over – you know, driving a quarterback and, you know, it's in the end of the day, people don't remember the last couple of years of a career. They remember the highlights and anybody here who listens to this show is most likely a Knicks fan as well. Nobody remembers the last couple of years of Patrick Ewing being a Nick, where the number one topic on sports radio was they need to trade him. They need to get rid of him. Nobody remembers when he played for Seattle or Orlando Everybody remembers the glory years when the Knicks were, you know, for you people that are under 30 listening to this show, at one time the Knicks actually were relevant and good. And people, you know, their memories are of those times. So Eli Manning, and even now, the love you saw for him this year is really counter to the narrative for the last couple of years where people wanted to move on from Eli.
0: Absolutely, and, uh, and we we knew that yeah. would happen too. Mm-hmm. I I mean, you're right. I mean, do, p- people don't remember really a whole lot of Brett Favre as a Jet, somewhat as a Viking, but not really. Um, it, it just you're right. You know, the, the the memory of players is etched into their prime, their highlights, that not their, you know. It, there, there's some debate if there's, like, bad moments speckled throughout their career. But when people taper off the way that he did, you know, it. it's just taken as this, this human reaction is like, well, he just got old. You know what I mean? Like, it just kind of ended for him. It's not like, oh, he was kind of good and then not really and then he was good again and the circumstances had to be right. You know what I mean? It It wasn't like that for him and therefore he probably won't be remembered for – Really, a damn thing after 2011. I mean, despite the fact that he he himself was not playing poorly until about 2017.
1: Well, his career became like kind of like a cartoon, pretty much. Moving, you know, retiring, not retiring, going to this team, going to that team, you know, being in that high rotation of ESPN stories where they have to talk about him on the Oh, a you're random. talking about Brett
0: Favre? I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, He became one of those guys like LeBron or Tim Tebow, or, you know, where for no reason on SportsCenter in the middle of June, there's a five minute piece about Brett Favre. That had nothing to do with anything. So, you know, but at the end of the day, everybody forgets even all of that stuff and they remember the highlights. You know, everybody's emblazoned their memories. Brett Favre was a Packer. And 10, 15, 20 years now, he'll be a Packer. So with Eli Manning, you know, no one's going to remember, you know, giant fans I'm talking about the media and the, the rest of the fan base around the, and the, you know, around the nation kind of has this, you know, he won two Super Bowls. It's going to be a big hall of fame debate about him. Uh, you know, Eli face and all that type of stuff. But, you know, quite honestly, I really don't care what other people think. It's kind of like, he's been our guy for such a long time that, uh, this is this really right now is a time to celebrate him.
0: Yeah. 236 games, a a Giants record. Um you actually have the interesting perspective of seeing him as a um as an opposing quarterback in college.
1: Yeah, he beat Florida twice at Ole Miss. so you know I was not the biggest Eli Manning fan in college not a big fan if anybody follows me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan knows how one of my favorite pastimes is needling Peyton Manning for you know all of his accolades and all the way everybody kisses his ass you know saying he's one of the top 10 college quarterbacks and you know top 10 college football players in history which is patently absurd went 0-4 against Florida however his brother went 2-0 against Florida so you know but you could see in college, you know, the arm strength. It wasn't as polished, didn't have the gun that Peyton did, but still, you know this was a guy that was gonna be solid in the NFL and it was gonna be, you know, an obvious number one pick.
0: Yeah. And um you know we um I I we we were I don't I don't even think I I I knew you in two thousand and four, which is interesting.
1: Probably not. Yeah, which which is an
0: interesting weird dynamic and I guess goes to show how large our, our family is, but <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um but you know, since we we didn't talk on that day. I mean, how did you feel especially with the the whole charade of you know d- d- drafting Philip Rivers and then trading, I mean, how, what was your reaction to all of that?
1: Well, my first thought originally was that Philip Rivers was not in my mind a super high draft pick. I saw him at North Carolina State. I watched him play, watched him play against Florida State, I watched him play against Miami and I was like he's decent, good college quarterback, didn't think he'd be an elite NFL quarterback which he's become. So when all this was happening, you know, you heard the stories that, you know, the Manning family didn't want him to go to San, San Diego and it was just kind of like you only get very few opportunities to have access to an elite level quarterback. You're either brutally bad and you get the first pick or you you know you roll the dice and you trade up and you give up what you give up to have the opportunity to get him. And you know we after Phil Sims, we really have gone through quite a run of quarterbacks. You know, Kerry Collins took us to a Super Bowl, but was not a long term fixture here. And even he wasn't a leap by any
0: stretch. Well, wasn't he I like mean, an alcoholic at the time he was at the I, th- This was pro- this is prior to that. This is back
1: okay. when he first started his career. He he had been past that. But I mean, we're talking going through guys like, you know, the Jesse Palmers and uh the prick from Florida State <laughs> and Danny you know, Cannell. Dan Cannell, and just quarterbacks that were substandard quarterbacks. And as anybody knows, you know, you have substandard quarterbacks, you're going to flounder in this league.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, so I was um, a freshman in high school, I guess, right? 2004. I think I, I, think I was a, I was either a freshman or a sophomore. I, now my my brain is just mush, so because I'm an old idiot. Um no I think I was a sophomore. Anyway, the point is I was I was in my young high school years. I had a lot of shit going on, so you know, keeping up with sports the way that I do now and you know, Twitter wasn't a thing. So it wasn't as easy to just kind of like open my phone and get the entire world of news, you know, I had to really pay attention and I didn't. So, you know, Eli Manning's draft um you know as crazy as it was in retrospect, at the time, he was just another one for me. So, like, my whole youth was playing football and then selecting when I when I got to pick out my number because I guess they just let you do that when you're a kid. I don't know. I always picked whatever number the Giants quarterback was, and it was always different because we kept getting new quarterbacks. I remember having Dave Brown's number as a kid and then picking Danny Cannell's number. And Kerry Collins' number, and I was excited for all of them, and they all let me down. So by this age, I was cynical, and I was like, "Yeah, new quarterback, same story." So like, I didn't really have, but, but this was different though. When you, you get yes motivated. from your perspective, I am just saying where I was yeah. mentally at the time. Yeah. I I was yeah. like, "Yeah, you know, the hoopla, whatever." Because my dad was all into it, and he was like, "Oh, you know, the Giants picked this." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. So, you know, I wasn't really all the way there, so I wasn't really sold on him until like 2006 or something like that. So it was after yeah. he had already claimed the role of starter and, you know, I I was late to that party.
1: Yeah. uh, You know, because remember, I grew up right when Phil Simms... Got the starting quarterback role because remember, he was drafted in '79 and he was hurt for a couple of years. We had Scott Bruner and you know, guys like that. And it, was a, it was a terrible franchise. It took him about two years to really, and also back then, you know, rookies didn't play right away. You know, it was just kind of industry standard. So it took a couple of years for him really to grab root. And as much as I love Eli, I'm always going to be a Phil Sims guy. Doesn't have the numbers of Eli, doesn't have the physical talents, but the guy was a gamer and the guy was a winner. You know, if it's third and 12, who do I want as my quarterback? It's it's Phil Simms. Oof. And uh, always will be. <laughs> and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of anecdotal evidence to support that, but uh, he was more clutch than Eli was throughout his career.
0: Oh, I – uh. The maybe junior. maybe maybe longevity speaks that way. There were, I I think that there were few quarterbacks more clutch in 2011 or, or in, in general as Eli was in 2011. I mean my my favorite story is that year in 2011 in the Super Bowl when the Giants got the ball back on that last drive. You were at the game. I was sitting on my couch at home and as soon as the Patriots punted, I just remember texting you I'm not even in the least bit worried right now. There's nobody else I'd rather have. And it was absolutely true. And, you know, like, you know, my my sister and and my brother-in-law were just like, we were really surprised. You weren't as nervous or even excited when it happened. I was like, I already knew. This story story was all year. He had shredded people in, in the fourth quarter. And when the game was on the line, Eli was the man. I mean, there was nobody that stopped him. So the only time it didn't seem to work is uh, against Seattle. Victor Cruz slipped on a route, and his his pass was picked. But they were driving; they were in the red zone already. So, you know, that year was probably the most clutch I had seen a quarterback consistently throughout an entire year.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying he's not, but I'm saying I, I know you what know, you're saying. I you know, anybody who listens to this show remembers that 1990 season, or remembers the '86 season. You know, Phil Sims did not win. I guess he won a ring in '90, but he was hurt and missed week 13. And on, the end, yeah. But but that team was also 11 and 0. You know, on Phil Sims back before he got hurt, and when that team was good enough that a Jeff Hostetler, who might have been next to Trent Dilfer, maybe the worst <laughs> starting worst quarterback <laughs> ever to win a Super Bowl, this whatever Ray Hanley thought the next year, um, won a Super Bowl. So, you know, we're, we're, we're talking—we're talking about two, two guys who spent almost thirty years as the starting quarterback of this team, who Which are is great.
0: Crazy! That is are, nuts. Are
1: great representations of this franchise. Guys, you can proud to be New York Giants. You know, I know a lot of this fan base still loves Lawrence Taylor, but that guy is an embarrassment to represent the New York Giants. Where Phil Simms and Eli Manning are models. To represent
0: this team, I 100% agree with that. One of the things that, that idiots, or maybe not idiots, but non Giants fans who don't pay as much attention say is that Eli owes both of his Super Bowl wins to the defense, which is patently untrue, especially in 2011, where their defense was actually abysmal for most of the year and just sort of turned on in the playoffs. And still, that meant nothing because. He was on fire that year. I mean, he almost beat Dan Marino's uh, passing record in in that year. Phil Simms actually did have two really good defenses for his Super Bowl wins. Not, oh, again, God. not even not trying to take anything away, but I mean, really, Jeff Hostetler doesn't win that game without uh, you know that caliber of defense to help. Well,
1: out. actually, well, actually, that's not true because they won that game by
0: holding the ball the clock yeah
1: holding for 40 minutes i mean their defense couldn't do anything against Thurman Thomas if you know if that game is another 30 seconds they lose well they
0: don't even make it there without that defense though
1: yeah yeah but that was you know every game again completely different league than it is now absolutely I mean, yeah, absolutely so you know everybody had pretty good defenses back then the rules were different back yeah, then assault
0: and battery was legal
1: the, the, yeah the the, the style of, of offenses were different back then um, you know, they just – they had a really good offensive line. They had really good – you know, O.J. Anderson, as that season went on, got better and better. Mm-hmm. They had guys like Zeke Moat and uh, Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker. They still had Mark Bavaro. Um, you know, just solid, solid guys that can make up for losing a quarterback like Phil Simms with a, a – you know, they say now a game manager. Well, Jeff Hosteller was a game manager. At a perfect time and in, in, in situation for him to succeed. But let's let's talk more about Eli Manning for a minute. Well, though, yeah,
0: kind of- the exact opposite. I mean, this was a guy who would live and die giving his players the chance to make the play. I mean, he's never been one to a blame anybody else but himself. Always said he needed to play better when they lost. Always held a press conference after a loss or whatever it was available to the media. I'm sorry. Um but, I mean, he didn't give a shit what his interception total was. He cared about winning. And if winning yeah. meant throwing the ball up into double coverage because he he thinks that that's the guy who's going to make the play, he's going to do it. His numbers be damned.
1: You know, We'll talk about his Hall of Fame credentials in a minute, but I do think, though, what separates a guy like him from being among the truly elite quarterbacks. Like, I'm not going to say right now that Eli Manning... Is at that same level of what Brett Favre was, or what you know Aaron Rodgers is, or you know th- the truly best quarterbacks of the last twenty years was Eli Manning was not a quarterback, in my opinion, that created something out of nothing. Where well, that's you know, true, yeah. And and, and then in the last several years, you know, not having a very good offensive line, not having an offense that best catered, catered to what he does best impacted him. It, it impacted his effectiveness, where some of these elite, elite quarterbacks, you know, if the offensive line is shady or his receivers all go down and he has to do something out of nothing, he he's not that guy. I mean, he's a, you know, I don't want to say he's a system quarterback, but he is a function of everything being built properly. So that's not a knock on him because he's still, I think, a Hall of Fame quarterback. And Again, we'll talk about that. But I think people are so quick to say if you're not the best of the best you are not good and that is absolutely not true.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's I I completely agree with that. Um and and I think a lot of that kind of has to do with him never being somebody who did a whole lot with his legs. Um I I think guys like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and you know, to a certain extent even Andrew Luck you know they're able to mask deficiencies in their offense and their offensive line and whatever maybe some skill possession position players around them by by being able to extend plays and things like that and you know to some extent Eli did that but not really I mean he's not really too much of a threat to run there's never a linebacker dedicated to spying him you know and and
1: didn't, f- didn't quite have that luck or um far gun. Where he can just, you know, oh, like
0: fire a laser. In there?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like if you know if far was a ten, he's probably an eight point five. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, I, I completely agree with you. And, and again, that doesn't take him. That doesn't take anything away from him and what he's accomplished. It just it means he's not a no brainer for the Hall of Fame. He's not. He's not that level of upper 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 echelon rarities that we well, see from time to time.
1: He's not a unanimous first-round pick. so
0: I'm <laughs> not going, I'm not going little, down that road.
1: Little dig for my Yankee fa- friends out there. But uh, I don't think he is first-ballot Hall of Fame worthy, but I definitely believe he's a Hall of Famer. I mean it's kind of like the Richter scale with earthquakes where you have an earthquake of a 5.0, but a 6.0 is exponentially worse. I think when you have – a Super Bowl win, and then a second Super Bowl win, and your MVP of both—that exponentially is greater than all the other things you have done in your career. I mean, it—that is, you know, how many quarterbacks have won two in this league? Not many. They're all in the—I uh, believe—they're all in the in the Hall of Fame, except for Jim Plunkett. I believe he's the only one who's not. Well, is
0: that correct? I, I mean, besides Peyton Manning,
1: he'll be in the Hall of Fame.
0: He will be. Tom Brady as I, well.
1: He'll be in it as well.
0: Yeah. Um but I mean Yeah, I think you're right.
1: I mean, they are two moments in time, but they are such big moments. And, you know, again, when you think about a Super Bowl, think about that road to get there. For they sure. had in those two Super Bowl seasons, one home game. They yeah. had to play at Dallas, at Green Bay. Twice. Twice. At San Francisco. You know these are not easy places to play against very, very good teams. Well,
0: one and a half home games. What do you mean? Tampa.
1: It doesn't matter. It's still an <laughs> away game. <I> mean, <laughs> there were, I mean,
0: that's just a dig we, at our friends. I think.
1: Yeah, we we've been to Valari Bowls before, where there's been a lot, lot more Giant fans in that playoff game. Were.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think even this year there probably were more Giants fans at at Raymond sure. James than, than that that uh, it's hard because I wasn't there. Were you? Which one? The one in 2007.
1: I was there. Yeah.
0: I mean, you would have a better perspective than me. It's hard to tell because they kind of controlled that game, not from the get-go, but pretty early on. By the end of the game, you were hearing Giants chants on TV. So yeah, like, I don't but, really but, know how I mean, packed it was. It
1: was. It, it was probably 25% Giant fans, which is more than average for a normal playoff game. But it wasn't... It was not an overwhelming. Oh my God! There's so many giant fans here. I mean, they're here, yeah. There's not.
0: Okay, but yeah, I mean, you're right. He's not. He's not gonna be that guy that every writer checks off for Hall of Fame, but on on his first time on the ballot. But he holds the franchise record for yards and touchdowns, as well as games played, which is like one of. I mean, I think now people are finally starting to realize how important that was. Now that he's finally retiring, and and towards the end, you know, once Daniel Jones was drafted, this started to get talked about a lot more. It was taken for granted for a long time. Was just that the man never, ever w- w- was out. I mean, for any reason, uh, he played through plantar fasciitis one year,
1: which I've had.
0: And oh, really? I'm not really?
1: an NFL quarterback. It is very painful. It is tough to walk. It hurts the bottom of your feet. It
0: sucks. Yeah, I've I've not had that. So, I mean, I can't comment. I've also never been, you know, pile-driven like 25 times in one game and then had to do it again in a week. You know, Mm -hmm. his ability to just... Act like it doesn't even matter. Not not even act. I mean just continue like it didn't just happen and and forget things and move on and just play is something that we don't see replicated. I mean even the ones that we consider great right now, he's beaten their streaks. Tom Brady had a torn ACL I believe, right? Was the injury? I mean Drew Drew Brees has missed games with busted fingers and and such.
1: Roethlisberger has missed tons of games. Tons of time. You know – Think of all think of all these guys who come up who are like they're gonna be the next big thing for the next decade and their careers are cut short. I mean, think of the RG threes, you know, think of all of these guys. Deshaun Watson missed tons of time. It's 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 a very difficult position to play to stay healthy. It's a very violent sport. And, you know, even with, you know, the the offensive line being as shaky as it's been the last several years, he never got hurt because of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, he just played through whatever he felt. I mean, I heard a story, I saw a story, I don't remember who wrote it, so I don't know how much I believe it It was just incredible to me, was that after the 2011 NFC Championship game against San Francisco, where he really was just getting the shit kicked out of him all the way through overtime, that he actually needed like help getting onto the airplane, which I'm not surprised about, I mean but watching the game you would not be able to tell that he just kept getting up and throwing the ball so it really is one of the more underrated things about him and he would have had he 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 ends his career having never had an injury keep him play keep him from playing he was benched for no reason in, in 2017 And uh, benched for his eventual replacement in 2019.
1: And that benching in 2017 ultimately led to the firing of a coach and a GM because Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, I mean that was you know just the you know the incompetence and just the short sightedness of it.
0: Yeah, and and then um, you know he's going to hold a press conference on Friday uh, where he announces his retirement. Uh, according to sources that have told multiple people, um, I kind of hope that Tom Coughlin is there with him, or at least in attendance. I mean, I don't know. You know, Tom Coughlin's kind of in in the uh, public doghouse for his most recent thing with the Jaguars, and perhaps I don't. I don't think it's violating NFL. Rules, Or maybe it kind of was bordering on it, if anything. But whatever. Um, but and, Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning, to me, are in a and, lot of ways a joint thing.
1: And Ernie Corsi, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd like to see, you know, you know, uh offensive coordinator name escaping me right now.
0: Who? Kevin Gilbride? Yeah. I'd like I mean, to see the, him there. The head coach and GM of the New York Guardians?
1: Yeah. I'd like to see him like, you know, go from one locker room to the other to be part of that press conference because he had a major influence in his career. Absolutely, I'd like to see a lot of those offensive linemen, you know, the guys like the O'Hara's and all these guys, you know, guys that were with him, you know, through the Super Bowl runs and stuff, be there.
0: I mean, this is a – I'm I'm sure you're going to see, you know, uh, know, Dave Deal and and Sean O'Hara and Chris Snee I'm sure will be there. You're talking
1: about a, a, a New York athlete that is going to be in that rarefied air of the last 30 years of guys like Mark Messier, mm. uh, you know, Paul O'Neill, like t- guys like that. Uh,
0: Does Martin Brodeur kind of count?
1: No, that's New Jersey.
0: Oh, oh give me gosh. a break! Don't, there is no a huge crossover there.
1: No one cares.
0: Oh, shut up. No one cares. You're, you're just being bitter now.
1: What was, do I care. I, I care less about the devils. I'm saying, but no one – I mean, can you ask – Compare average, their careers. I, I didn't say that, but he's not He's not deity. I mean, if like Joe Namath is in that rarefied air also, but his career was not that good. Joe Namath should not be a Hall of Famer. shouldn't be close to Hall of Famer, but he's a guy who could never – who would never have to pay for lunch ever in this town ever again. Okay. Door, if, door if door that's what we're talking restaurant about restaurant and no one know who he is. I'm talking about a guy who's at that elite level who's got that New York it. Who's always going to be known as just a winner. And that's like that's that like, Marc Messier over like a guy like Gretzky. Um you know, Patrick Hue going to get that even though he may not deserve it based upon that winning championships.
0: Derek Jeter, but, name a Derek, Yankee.
1: Yeah, but he, yeah, even that's why I said Paul O'Neill over Derek Jeter. Where, you know, the – you won here and we love you here might even be higher than your – what did you actually do on the field type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's uh, – you know, th- think of a guy from the Mets, like from the 86 team. Like Keith Hernandez will never have to buy a meal in this town again. Not even a Hall of Famer, but he's known for that time and place. You know, if, if, if he ever, they ever get their shit straightened out, guys like Gooden and Strawberry, same thing. So Eli Eli is absolutely in that realm. But, you know, even – but guys that aren't are guys like Mark Sanchez and guys like, you know, Mark Gastineau from the Jets who were personalities, but they're buying their own meal.
0: Jeremy Shockey.
1: No, it doesn't – yeah, it doesn't count.
0: That's – no, no.
1: Yeah, but that – I'm talking about elite legends in in this town, and Eli is right up there with
0: that. I'm saying Jeremy Shockey is not part of that. He he's will. I mean, he he. The reason I'm lumping him is because he's part of the 2007 championship team.
1: Yeah, but nobody thinks about him.
0: Nobody thinks about him. Right. And it's it's partially because he's a fucking jerk. I mean, that's one of the things that makes well, Eli. I mean, you know, I mean
1: Lawrence Lawrence Taylor's a fucking jerk and he's part of he also can never buy another
0: but, it's a, it's but a, no, no, no 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 the the difference there the reason he doesn't have to buy a meal anywhere um is is because he was that elite talent. He was that guy that transformed the game. So, you know, he's not in this conversation. Eli Manning is not that elite talent, but he doesn't have to worry about paying for a meal in this town ever again because you know you won here. That kind of thing. Lawrence Taylor, you know, if they never won with Lawrence Taylor, or if they if they lost the two Super Bowls while they're there, but they're you know always in the conversation, and he's this transformative character, Hall of Fame guy, doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, that's sort of not part of the conversation. Yeah. I don't know, is, is is Amani Toomer sort of in that conversation? No. No.
1: We're talking about people that transcend sports. We're talking about people that Strahan. Well now he is because he's famous for not being on football. Okay. I mean, he, he's he's obtained a Frank Gifford level of fame where he at Alex Karras level of fame where you they're they were popular as football stars, but now they are household names gotcha and um you know Amani Toomer is if you don't watch football you don't know who he
0: is yeah that's fair absolutely yeah. fair
1: and honestly Michael Strahan before he became a talk show guy I don't mm, maybe around Super Bowl time you knew who he was but I don't know if he walked into a I don't know. What's a place where people go that aren't necessarily sports fans? Anybody know who he is? Like that type of place. I don't know. Back then he would
0: have. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know. Maybe just just because like his face and his gap tooth and he was kind of a personality. Even even as a player.
1: He's kind of a dick as a player. I mean,
0: yeah, that's definitely a a New York rewrite if I ever saw it. He
1: has definitely had a rewrite you know, whitewashing of his image since he's been playing. Absolutely. Because every, yeah. everybody, everybody forgets that preseason before they won that first Super Bowl. He wasn't even Co- there. Right.
0: Exactly. He was on a and, beach in California.
1: And I remember back then when my old, you know, texting days prior to Twitter and stuff, saying that you know it'd be best served once all of these older guys are gone from this team when. Coughlin and Eli can finally take ownership of this team because the Tiki Barbers of the world and the and the you know the Shockies and uh, Hands were a bad vibe on this team.
0: Well, Tiki Barber won't have to pay for a meal in New York either because he'll just get kicked out of restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Where does Victor Cruz sit in that? Is he? He's one of those guys. Yeah. Not the same. Why? He's
1: not a. He's not a. I'm talking about New York legend hero. You
0: think don't think he's that? No. Why?
1: I don't think the average person knows who he is. Oof. I mean, we're talking about people where everybody knows who this person is, and there's not many of those. You know, everybody knows who Joe Namath is, everybody knows who Walt Frazier is, everybody knows who. Darrell Strawberry is. Everybody knows
0: who. Man, I. I Dar- don't know. Jeter
1: is. Victor Cruz. You didn't follow football. I mean, let's face it. He tried to have a career as a, on ESPN and didn't go anywhere. No one cared. ESPN is not stupid. You know they're constantly evaluating the you know the Q scores of these guys of their of their personalities. He didn't get fast-tracked like some of these other ex-athletes do. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, Victor Cruz and also in New York, I think, is you have to really significantly contribute to that championship to be that guy. Perception-wise or other. Victor Cruz had a touchdown in that Super Bowl, but they didn't win that game because of Victor Cruz, and he wasn't this MVP. No, they life. got there it's because it. of him, though. Yeah, but it's it's it, – he was a personality on that team, but he was—he's not a New York legend because of it.
0: I—I I, I take some issue with that. I think he's—I he, think he's right
1: he, there. He's your guy of your time,
0: and it's, I think not, that my population is a little bit bigger than you think.
1: Yeah, but it's—it's it's not. It's—it's. It's, uh, this is not going to be a fair comparison, but the best thing I can do is when you talk to someone who says, you know, Justin Beaver is the biggest star of all time and has the best music of all time.
0: But that's not what I'm saying.
1: No, but it's just like you – that person who believes that because that's of your – who most likely he was saying that that's of their time and place. But in the grand scheme of it's not. And I think Victor Cruz is definitely one of those people. I don't know. I mean how much – how often do you hear about Victor Cruz like just – Victor Cruz is like John Starks. Here's my comparison with the Knicks. Popular guy when he played. He sticks around the team. He's like the vice president of community relations. They trot him out to, you know, congratulations for this scholarship winner. He gets a nice hand. But he's not on that all-time level of just New York hero. And Victor Cruz, I think, is kind of on that level as well.
0: And so you think that he goes to a restaurant and has to pay for a meal? John Starks? No, Victor Cruz. Yes. I don't know. Be- I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I think he's. I think he's one of those guys, personally. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of sad. I. I. It might be a really sad press conference for me to watch. You know. Uh. And and one of the reasons why is that you never really had a reason to hate Eli I mean like you can you can kind of smack your head like ah oh, dumbass why did you do that but I mean nobody really is I mean Tom Brady throws passes sometimes so you're like what the hell are you thinking yeah I mean, I, I mean it, it happens I but overall he's not a hate I mean a guy that goes and stands at the podium and takes all the heat from the media never once doesn't show up, never once doesn't take ownership of everything that he possibly can. It's really hard to hate a guy like that.
1: I mean, I, I think it's the complete opposite of the Peyton press conference when he left the Colts. That, to me, is a sad press conference. That's a guy that still had stuff in the tank, but it was a salary oh, cap. different hit. kind
0: of sad. But what that's what I'm, what I'm saying,
1: though. No, this one really isn't sad because I think enough time has passed from the torch passing where it kind of felt like he's been gone already. He's yeah, has been largely irrelevant. He came back for that one, you know, the one game where it was just like, you know, you, you can give him the final standing ovation and everything. It's, so to me it's, it's closure and it happens, you know, people leave and it's, you know, it's not a sudden thing. It's not like, obviously, obviously completely different circumstance, but like, the magic press conference Hmm. where that was, you know, sad on a hundred different levels, you know, it's not shocking. And you're just like, I I, I don't have time to process this. We, we really had from the second they drafted Daniel Jones knew this was coming and prepare for it. And then, and then the second he got benched, it was just like, okay, you know, it's just, you move on. So now it's just almost kind of like a, you know, I won't have any sadness at all with this thing i'll be i'll be I'll be happy for him. I was sad when Steve Spurrier announced he was leaving the Gators. That hit me hard because it was just like it was unexpected. The guy had more in the tank, and it was just like now what I don't know what next is. This is we know what next is. the plan's in place, and i'm just I'm just gonna be you know happy for him.
0: You know, maybe maybe this isn't the right business for me because you know I'm not really articulate articulate enough to find the adjective for for what it is I'm I'm, I'm trying to convey because it's not sad. It is an emotion though, where it's like you're kind of seeing the end of something, and you know at a press conference you know like you said we we saw the end of this coming all the writing was on the wall we knew it it's not like we knew it and we're avoiding that feeling but now we're seeing it when it's a press conference we're seeing the end from his perspective when he talks do you know what i mean it's it's kind of like it's kind of like in a weird way you know when when you got the news that Eli Manning was being sat for Geno Smith, right? Your feelings were outrage, you know, things like that. But then you see the media talking to him and you see him really fighting back tears. Then you start to see him being benched from his perspective and it's a different emotion that evokes. You know what I mean? This is, again, it's one of those things where I know, you know, we talked about him. We knew he was going to retire at this time. We've known this for actually for years, that it was eventually going to happen at the end of his contract. I told you at the beginning of this broadcast that I thought there was a 1% chance of him playing somewhere else. But seeing it from his perspective and him walking away from the game. and By walking away, I mean like – I don't mean like he's still got more left in the tank. But just hanging it up, it just evokes a, a an emotion that I feel from his perspective. What is that? Empathy?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I put it higher than you. I had it about 10% because these guys they they are wired differently than fans are and just observers these guys think they can play forever and you that competitive juices are flowing them at a level that we will never comprehend and you know if someone's out there saying i'm going to give you x million dollars to play for another year or two that's not something you just say nah no thanks i don't care how much money you have Money is a competitive factor as much as wins are for some of these guys. So I thought there was, I thought it was unlikely, but I thought it was a bigger chance than you did that, you know, if the situation was right and a team came to him and said, listen, we're pretty close. We think you can bring us over the top. You know, and his, and I wouldn't hold anything against him if he did it. I mean, we made the decision to move on, he didn't quit on us. No, really, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean I
0: think- <laughs> the other thing is he was he was sat for Daniel Jones so early in the season that he's had plenty of time to mull this over. So, that's like another one of those things. It's not like it's it's something where he he got sat for, you know, weeks 14, 15 and 16 and 17 and, you know, it's still kind of fresh, you know, he he still feels like he can play. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of time in there where he he could think about this and do I want to move? Do I want to go somewhere else? You know,
1: Really interesting, you know, the the thing I'm going to play back is, you know, different coach, how this season would have played out. You know, if we have a coach, you know, just one who is more organizationally savvy, more experienced, more, you know, uh, more cred with the organization and with everybody. You know, do they at, at this
0: time in January 22nd or whatever it is?
1: Uh, going back a year from now, okay, you know is the decision made that we are just starting Daniel Jones from the very beginning, or is it did they stick with Eli longer in the season? I, I, you know it just it was so head scratching the timing of when they decided to make that change, and we all kind of agree that you know Pat Shermer was not a competent head coach that what would a head, competent head coach have done last year? And yeah. how would that have, how would that have affected where we are today with Eli and his decision making?
0: Well, in your opinion in retrospect, do you think it was a mistake starting Daniel Jones then, week 3? I
1: would I would have done one of two things. I would have either said at the draft, you're the starting quarterback next year. We're riding or dying with you. You are going to learn. You're going to get the reps all offseason as the first team quarterback or I would have sat him significantly longer until he was truly ready to play. Now, he played relatively well for being thrown into the fire, but, you know, he's a guy who next year has to work on, you know, ball handling, seeing that maybe second and third or fourth read that he may not have been doing, you know, early on and and even later into the season. So, I would have not have just said that for two weeks. It just, see, it just signaled that this coaching staff and maybe an organizational decision was they were rudderless. And I hate to keep using this analogy because it makes me doubly sick. It's very similar to what the Knicks are doing. The Knicks have no organizational plan of what they want to be. You know, are they developing their youth and taking their lumps? Or are they just starting all of these vets they got on one-year contracts to win meaningless games at the sacrifice of growth of their young guys? I can't read what they're trying to do. And when they made moves like Daniel Jones starting week three, it was a very similar feeling for me. And it really just made me feel even more hopeless as a fan than I really should.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I got one more thing for you, Grump. What's that? Would you rather have... Eli Manning's career, or would you rather have Dan Marino's career? Just what they did, you know, they both played for over 15 years with the same team. Both had gaudy career statistics. Yeah, but Marinos were better. Different time, but still better stats. Yep. Would you rather be Eli or Marino?
0: I would rather be Eli. I would. Of course. I would rather right. win. And, uh,
1: absolutely. And I think that is something, again, that's that Richter scale of where, how important those two Super Bowl wins are. You know, there are a lot of guys in all different sports who never won it. You know, there's, there's the Ernie Banks out there. There's, you know, the Dan Marino's, um, Patrick Ewing's, you know, all these guys in these sports that never won it. And. For all the individual accolades they did and all their achievements and stuff, they never won it. And uh, we are lucky that we had a quarterback that, you know, very up and down with his team's record for 15, 16 years. He did end up with a 500 record, right?
0: Uh, Yes. But he still
1: got to the pinnacle twice. And Kansas City Chiefs fans, it's your first time in a Super Bowl in 50 years.
0: It's true.
1: Put that in, put that in perspective. For you know, anybody you see on Twitter is like, "I'm sick of the losing." You know, we've been we're in the dark ages now. No, you're not. <laughs> ask Cleveland Brown fan. Ask Kansas City Chief fan. Ask all of these fans of teams. Bengals are, fans. Ask Bengals fan. You know, they've been in they've been in the wilderness a lot longer than we have. Yeah, and we've had that. So, I mean. You can say all you want. You can debate Hall of Fame worthiness or all that thing. The bottom line is, at the end of the day, it's about winning it all, and we did it twice with him. And this is a fan base that's won it now four times in you know thirty-five years. That's yeah. pretty darn good.
0: Yeah, it's it's it really is. Um, I think people. I think part of what made people take that a little bit for granted was that um, we had a quarterback that we knew could do it for a long time. you know. And, and twice in four years is uh, in, incredible. You know what I mean? In 2007 and 2011, it kind of felt like we could have done more because we had the right quarterback. And I think that's what where a lot of the frustration kind of comes from. It's not like... The Denver Broncos where they, they kind of pretty much sign Peyton Manning on a rental and uh, they win and then you know that it's worth it because you win but that when you're done winning you're kind of building up from scratch again. It really is pushing all the cards to the center of the table. Or mm-hmm. Chips I guess. What an idiot. Why did I say that? But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from is that it really felt like there was a lot more winning that could happen. Um And I get it, but you're right. You know, we are not in any way in the dark ages.
1: No, I mean, we've we allowed a GM to not focus on making sure we had a strong offensive line to protect Eli Manning for a long time. We, you know, his final four or five years were with substandard NFL head coaches. We before that even went to an offense that's not best to his skill set. These are things that kind of impeded that potential. And maybe we overachieved those two years for Super Bowl. You know, they were decent regular season teams. I mean, teams make runs in the postseason. It happens all the time. I mean, Tennessee was a win away from the Super Bowl, and they were kind of a, eh, regular season team. And that's that's a tribute to a guy like Eli Manning. Maybe, you know, you have just, you know, a an average quarterback doesn't take you to that next level and gets hot at the right time type of thing so
0: I am uh, I'm pretty glad I have I'm in possession of an Eli Manning signed football Um, and it's one that I intend to auction off um, for a charitable cause so um, I gotta figure out the right time to do that. Um But it was always intended to go that way and you know, things kind of fell apart with my original plan. But I, I've held on to it all this time. Not for myself. You know, I don't even look at it. It's boxed up, it's in a case. Um and uh I will be auctioning on that off now that he's retired. That's kind of been my uh my plan since my original plan fell apart. So but I am Glad that I I got it. You know what I mean. It, it it really is, you know. As we we talk about these guys that you know don't have to pay for a meal in New York ever again. I'm glad it's him and it's not Victor Cruz. You know what I mean, or or yeah. whoever the fuck. You know what I mean. Like it, it really is. He is something different from that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you you have his autograph too.
1: I have his autograph jersey. Yeah, yeah. I got a picture somewhere. You know, it's just uh. I don't know. I guess some night I'll just be at some random bar in Hoboken and maybe I'll see him playing beer pong with somebody or something. Hey, <laughs> hi. But
0: until then. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess we're all just going to sit and wait for that and then that officially will mark kind of the the Joe Judge era, won't it? I mean, that is – this is a – we have a new coach, um, the new general manager, you know, the whole new coaching staff, new quarterback. It it really is that is. It's not the last tie, but I mean, Zach Diawsi technically is still in the roster. I
1: I. Well, I don't know. What it, it's do, it, it doesn't
0: matter. It's such an afterthought. Yeah. I mean, you get the yeah. point. That really, this really is the the severed tie right here. Where well, this is a whole new set of sales.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean. That Super Bowl was eight years ago, nine years. That's a lifetime in the NFL too. No, I mean,
0: and we all knew that, but this is really—it's it, no longer like a. Th- it is a definite mark in time where we pivot away from making those comparisons. I mean, we are not that team. There's nothing. Mm. I mean, you can always when Eli Manning is your quarterback, you can always say like, "Well, we, you know, we got Eli." You know, we can't say that anymore. There's no. This is a whole different team roster construction, GM, front office, everything. It's, it's it's all different. There's no connection anymore. Yeah. And that's fine.
1: And maybe that's a good thing because all things must pass and all things have to change. And
0: yeah.
1: you know something the last couple of years of the old regime were not good and were leading us down a negative path. And you know, there might have been a hiccup in that transition period and hopefully we see some turnaround now, but that's 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 life, and that's that's football,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: unless you're the Patriots, where things just stay status quo for twenty years, but uh <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time
0: no well, i mean that's that's pretty much all I've got you know, I just sit and wait yeah. for the press conference,
1: yeah, yeah we'll uh, well, uh next Monday, we'll talk about uh you know our reactions to the press conference, what he said and, uh we'll move on from there
0: yeah and then it's all it's all the new team the new coaches the new everything yeah with that Giants fans let's go Giants go Giants